Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, if you're new here, we're so glad you're here. And let me introduce myself. I'm Paul Buckley, one of the pastors here. And uh, as Toby said, we're doing things a little differently. I'm going to have a very short message here so that we have time after the break, actually, to uh, hear a few testimonies as we honor Jeff and Mickey, and then to hear from Jeff himself as uh, one, of our, one of our pastors, uh, his final message to us. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. So if you could uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, we'll be looking there. I want to speak today very briefly about saying goodbye. Um, and God, uh, God is so good to us. He loves us and he wants to give us everything we need. His word uh, is sufficient for saying goodbye and all the other occasions of life. Uh, and there's lots of passages I could look to, but one important passage is this one in Acts chapter 20. Verses 17 through 38. This is where the Apostle Paul says goodbye. Help me, Lord. <laughs> says goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And, um, and it just has a lot of rich truth in it for us that I think will really help us. God wants to help us through his word as we do this, as we celebrate, but as we say goodbye. So I expect that as we look at this passage, he will speak to us. But let's ask him for that because we, we need him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and goodness to us. And I pray, Lord, for all of us, whether we've been here a long time and known the Harvest Host for a long time, or whether it's been just a short while, even just brand new, I pray each one here would be aware of your goodness and your care for us as you speak to us and guide us through your word. I pray, Lord, you'd help me with this passage just to to point out the truths in it in a way that would encourage your precious people and bless our dear brother and sister as well. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at this passage just to tell you ahead of time. Paul is going to say a number of things here, but at the core, he's teaching us really when we say goodbye, um, when he calls away our friends on mission, we do three things. We remember their legacy. We grieve with hope as we say goodbye temporarily. And we trust our faithful God for the future. Um, so listen to God's word from Acts chapter 20, verse 17 through 38. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirits, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that he should not see, that they should not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. God's word, Acts 20, 17 through 38. Most likely for all of us in this room, we've had to say goodbye. The longer you live, the more this can happen. And there are many seasons for all of us as we grow older where we've enjoyed wonderful rich relationships around the gospel, centered on the gospel of grace, only to find those things changing as the Lord calls people onward. In my 40 or so years as a Christian, I've had many of these. We've had this happen as a church as well. This is not a new thing. I think in particular about our three church plants that we sent out. Uh, sending out dear friends to, to bring the gospel, and to bring a gospel presence to, to King's Cross and Manchester, came, uh, Trinity Cambridge and Cambridge Mass and King of Peace in Salem. Each, each time, um, our hearts get torn in two as we say goodbye. Um, though they're all nearby, we, it's still not the same though when they leave. Each time there can be tears, each time there are cherished uh, memories of gospel fruit and friendship and mission together. And each time God calls people to his destination. We understand this, don't we? We've experienced this. And God comes to help us with his word. There are so many places we could go, but this passage in particular gives us some wonderful principles, particularly when a a leader who we've loved um, goes on in mission. And what I want to do very briefly is just highlight these three points. First, remembering the legacy with gratitude, grieving over their parting with hope, and then trusting our faithful God for the future. So Paul, in this passage, reminds the Ephesian elders of his ministry among them. He reminds them in some detail about how he's been faithful to bring the gospel, how he's been faithful to proclaim everything. He hasn't held back. He's given them the whole counsel of God. And he's not just done it in a way where, you know, he just kind of teaches on a Sunday and they never see him. No, they know Paul. Three years, he's been house to house. He's been uh, in the lecture hall of Tyrannus and so forth. He's been among them. He's been out on the streets evangelizing those who don't know the Lord. They've seen his life. They've watched him up close. They've watched his love. They've seen his tears. 
And so he's reminding them of all this, not because he somehow needs honor, he needs to feel better about this, this change, he's not feeling sentimental. He actually wants them to consider his example and be impacted by it, because he's calling them as the elders of this church to continue his legacy. He was a tender, faithful shepherd. And they knew his service to the Lord was real, demonstrated humility, heartfelt emotion and affection. They saw his ups and downs, and he was honest with these ups and downs. He says in 2 Corinthians, uh, he talks about despairing unto death. They saw him as he wrestled with with the the burdens and with the, the, the troubles of trials and persecution. They saw him pour his heart out to the Lord. They saw him depend on Christ and the gospel of grace and our faithful God. This was a real and deep relationship. And Paul wants them to remember this relationship. He wants them to remember how he's lived and how the gospel has shaped his life. And he really, I think, through this is saying, guys, carry on. Carry on with this legacy that I've left you. Carry on and centering yourself on the gospel. Carry on with, with running to Christ crucified and risen the good shepherd who's there for us. Carry on depending on him in trial. Carry on drawing your strength from him. Carry on loving each other and pouring your lives out for one another. Carry on sharing the gospel with those who desperately need to know Christ. Carry on in building a church that models Christ to your city. That's what he's saying here. That's how he built That's how he wanted them to carry on in this way of centering on the good news of Christ and all of its implications, living in line with that as a whole people. That's why he's sharing this. God had done wonders in this church. He had turned things upside down or right side up. You can read elsewhere. Ephesus was dramatically changed. It was a large city affected so dramatically that the economy had shifted. And the church would go on to be a major force in Christianity. For, for, for quite a long time, for centuries. God used Paul and used his legacy in this church to, to set them on a course that, that took them into a future of faithfulness and fruitfulness. And a side question here might be, well, why, why didn't Paul just stay there? Why didn't he just stay in that church and keep on laboring? Why would he do that? Why mess with the good thing? Why not just keep them? Well, the most important answer to that is that the church didn't own Paul and Paul didn't own the church. Jesus is the Lord of the church. And every church, whether it's the Ephesian church or King of Grace church, belongs to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. We follow Jesus. This is His church. and It's not about any one person in particular. And the reality is that the Lord is Lord of His whole church and He's at work through the, throughout the globe, throughout time. He has things that He's doing. And that will mean at times that we have to say goodbye as people are called away on mission. That's the reality. But nevertheless, in this, one of the lessons here is that we receive the legacy of a leader's life. We see it here with Paul. And I want to call your attention 
to Jeff and Mickey's legacy. They've been with us since very early on. And I watched my brother and his wife grow in their understanding of the, the good news of Christ, the gospel of grace. I watched Jeff um, dig into the, the rich theology of men like the Puritans, albeit from a, an interesting motive. He happened to look like Charles Spurgeon a little bit, and someone mentioned that to him, and he started reading Charles Spurgeon and other things. But nevertheless, once he started reading, he knew he was hooked. And I watched this man dig in and grow, and I watched a pastoral gift emerge, and certainly his godly wife and her hospitality gifts met together with Jeff's gifts in such a wonderful way. And I want you to know that who we are in so many ways is the fruit of their lives. Having built over the years, having built through some very difficult times, our early years were very difficult. Um, humanly speaking, I think I can say this, we wouldn't exist had it not been for Jeff and Mickey. There was a low point in 2006 where we were, I was considering closing our doors. Um, we were, there were very few of us. We were facing a lot of adversity. I can tell you those stories later. Um, we, had, I mean, we had people picketing our church. I can explain that story, but and I don't understand why it happened, but it happened. There was all sorts of uh, troubling things happening. And, and we didn't know why, but nevertheless, we endured. And Jeff and Mickey um, were one of the people in, in particular who said, we don't care if we're 10 or 10,000. These things we're building on are worth it, and we want to build for the future together. That made all the difference in my life, in my sense. Okay, let's do this then. And we did it, and God has been gracious to us, leading us forward. So I want you guys to hear that as we say goodbye, and to recognize the legacy we've received of, of a gospel-centered life and their loyalty and, and their help along the years. So I could say lots more. I have to, for the sake of time, move quickly. <laughs> Second point, um, grieving with hope. It, it's in verses 36 through 38. It says there is much weeping. As, as they're listening, there's much weeping. These, these are all men. These are grown men who are crying Maybe even sobbing. And it's not just like one emotional guy, by the way. It isn't like there was much weeping from Sam. He always cries at everything, you know. No, there was much weeping with all. It says up from everyone's part. The whole group. It's a big sob fest as they say goodbye to Paul. They get down on their knees to pray together. And they're, and they're sobbing. Um, and I just want to point this, that, that there's an aspect as we let go, as we say goodbye, where we just need to recognize that's healthy and normal. And I want to give you permission um, to do that. You don't have to try, whatever, just, but just, just, it's okay to be sad. They loved Paul, and, 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 and he had such an impact on their lives. They couldn't help but weep as he said, I won't see you again. These are dear friends. And there's that aspect of it. And so I want to just encourage you to be expressive and don't worry about it. Um, I've already... wept as I said goodbye. It wasn't helpful to, to uh, as I was preparing the message this morning, I had this the scene from the end of the Lord of the Rings as they say goodbye to Frodo and Gandalf, and I started crying watching the silly, the silly picture. <laughs> um, 
It's fitting, guys. Um, we love these guys, and it's fitting to cry. Um, so ditch the New England thing and say goodbye with all your heart. Thirdly, and I'm doing this very briefly, trusting our faithful God for the future. All this is going on, Paul's saying goodbye. He loves this church. He, he loves them. And, and, and the elders, of course, love Paul and love their church. And, and Paul is very honest with what's in the future. He doesn't pull punches. He just doesn't, he doesn't like, just try to talk about how it's going to be great and everything. He realizes it's going to be difficult. He lays out these things that are going to happen. Fierce wolves are going to come in. Men who are going to speak twisted things. Greedy leaders are going to come in. But Paul's confidence is not... Uh, in, in, well, his, his focus is not on those negative things. His confidence is in the Lord. His confidence is in God and the means of grace that God has given. His confidence is in the gospel of grace. And so as he recognizes this reality, he calls the elders to these truths about God. First off, he recognizes that these elders are called by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has made them elders over the church. Again, this isn't Paul's church. This is God's church. And, and this church he, he describes as those who have been purchased with the blood of Christ. This church is a church that's purchased by Jesus. And the elders are those who are raised up by the Holy Spirit. And so his confidence is there in God that God is the one because he's purchased this church, because these people are precious to him, because the Holy Spirit is faithful to bring leaders, that there's a future for this church. He doesn't panic. And he knows that the word of grace is able to work. He commends them in verse 32. He commends them to God in the word of his grace. He knows that this gospel, this good news of Christ, crucified and risen, reigning and returning, is, is not just an idea that's out there. It's a power that creates new life and keeps people close to God. And so his confidence for their future is in God's provision, having purchased them having brought leaders by the power of the Spirit, how, having given them this means of grace of the Word. And, and you can study, of course, the history, as I said, of Ephesus. It was faithful for years. Paul originally came from Antioch, by the way. That was a church that sent their very best, Paul and Barnabas, away. And yet God was faithful in Antioch, and it was a strong church for centuries as well. And I'm fully confident that King of Grace will be sustained by the Lord because it's purchased by Him, because He raises up elders by the Holy Spirit, but because He meets us through the means of grace of the Word. So brothers and sisters, as we say goodbye, let us remember the truths we find here in Acts 20. Let's remember the gospel legacy that they've left with us. Let us treasure that. Let us say goodbye Grieving, but grieving with hope. Because it's only goodbye for now. And very likely for many of us, we'll get to see them. These guys will be in the area. Nevertheless, we grieve. We grieve with hope. And then finally, we trust God for our future. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you help us. And we pray you continue to be with us for the remainder of our time. As we honor you and honor our dear friends. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.